In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. In seminary, one of my classmates was pregnant with her first child, and at her baby shower, as was the habit at the time, we all decorated plain white onesies so that she would just have a whole batch to change as newborns need frequent changing. And I'm a very creative person, but no space makes me question that more than a blank canvas. And I had no idea what I was gonna put on mine. People were using stencils and paints and were making nature scenes and animals and dinosaurs. And I sat with my fabric marker hovering over that plain white onesie for quite a while. And then I finally decided what I would do. And I knew that I had the right audience because most of the people at this baby shower would go on to become priests. I wrote very simply in all lowercase letters the phrase, Imago Dei. Imago Dei is the Latin phrase that means the image of God. It's been used to describe a central tenet of how God and humanity intertwine, that we humans are created in the very image of God. And I wanted this simple onesie to be a prayerful reminder that this child is not just the daughter of her mother and father, but is simply and overwhelmingly the very image of God before us. Now, I've mentioned from this pulpit before that if I weren't so convicted to love people, that I would really hate people. People are frustrating and enraging and selfish and complicated and beautiful and delightful. But most of all, they are made in the image of God. When I hear Jesus's answer to the Pharisees in today's gospel, I'm convicted all over again how hard it can be to lean into this truth. The Pharisees are trying to set this intellectual trap for Jesus. They're feeling a little prickly about how Jesus silenced the Sadducees, and they wanted to corner Jesus. What commandment is the greatest? Christ responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus follows up with another question to the Pharisees that silences them and keeps them from any other attempts at cornering Jesus. In this church, every Sunday at our right one service, the celebrant recites these words from Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God. It's a foundational reminder that we stand upon nothing in this world other than God. It's a, tru it's a truth that shapes every bit about how we move through the world. And even though I either say or hear these words every Sunday, 
I often find myself at a loss. I find myself at a loss because it is very hard in our world to do anything with our whole heart and mind and soul. I find myself at a loss because loving others who spew vitriol and anger feels near impossible. And sometimes compassionately loving myself can feel just as out of reach. I find myself at a loss when it comes in to living into these commandments on which all the law and the prophets hang because I am very often overwhelmed and frozen by the state of the world around. And I constantly feel unmoored by the intense pain and suffering everywhere around us. I'm at a loss because it's devastating. It's gut-wrenchingly devastating to watch wars and manhunts and political anger play across our screens. This week, I came across a poem from Kentuckian Wendell Berry, who speaks to a level of a devastation that feels ubiquitous. His poem, Now You Know the Worst, begins, now you know the worst we humans have to know about ourselves, and I am sorry. For I know that you will be afraid. To those of our bodies given without pity to be burned, I know there is no answer but loving one another, even our enemies, and that is hard. The poem concludes, you do not have to walk in darkness. If you will have the courage for love, you may walk in the light. It will be the light of those who have suffered for peace. It will be your light. It has been a devastating week. There are no platitudes or jokes that could soften the blow of how much pain and grief is upon all of our shoulders just on a global and national and communal level, much less what's going on in our personal lives. Yet even when I'm at a loss, I do believe that if we have the courage to love, as Barry says, we will walk in the light. Even when words fail up to sum, sum up the horrors that humanity inflicts upon itself, I believe that we all bear the image of God upon our souls. And even when hope feels dull or shallow, 
I believe that the most important thing we can do, and maybe the only thing we can do, is to try to love what God loves. That when we can love God with our whole being, our heart, our mind, our soul, then and only then can we love one another. And unfortunately, there is no shortcut to this. I don't have a three-point plan for you to implement this week because there's no way to subvert the inherently painful position to love fully and unabashedly. Most days, I'm not even sure what the right next step is. But I do know that the foundation of our being affects how we move through this world. And I know that when we ground ourselves in God, we ground ourselves in the Imago Dei, not just upon our own soul, but upon everyone around us. And this may be the only thing that we can dare do in the chaos of this world. To love what God loves. Loving God requires something of us. It requires that we remain soft in a world that compels us to be shielded. To love God is to let our hearts be broken again and again by humanity as we harm each other. To love what God loves is what it looks to, like to be a person of faith in our world today. And this is my prayer. That even through the haze of war and violence of every variety, that we can somehow, with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, truly love what God loves. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.